Hi, I'm Chelsea Neumeyer and I'm a time management and productivity coach. My goal is to help you go from overwhelmed to under control without a strict schedule or a bunch of productivity hacks. Each week, we'll talk about productivity mindset, actionable advice, my favorite resources, and you'll hear from guests just like you who are maximizing their limited resources. If you're anything like me, you're listening to this on the go, so check out the show notes and follow me on Instagram to learn more. Okay, let's start the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm so excited to be welcoming Becky Stickley. She's a coach, trainer, and she helps organizations confront their most pressing challenges and create sustainable and positive cultures by equipping managers with the tools they need to excel in today's ever-evolving landscape. Becky combines her experience managing multi-million dollar projects along with in-person and remote teams with a degree in leadership studies and coaching tools to help her clients navigate the evolving work landscape by gaining confidence, better managing relationships, and developing their unique leadership style with less overwhelm and frustration. I'm so excited to have you on the show today, Becky, because we connected in kind of this weird serendipitous way, and it's been so much fun to continue to chat with you about our our own coaching journeys and learning from each other. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So I just read an amazing bio. There was so much in there we're going to dive into, but I would love to just learn a little bit more about you and what inspired you to start your business. Sure. So I joke, but also it's very true that I did not climb a career ladder. I played in a career jungle gym and continue to, you know, I graduated college not knowing at all what I wanted to do. I became a children's librarian, which I loved. I worked in a law office. And then I started at a police association where I got to work on so many different programs. I kind of became the go-to for filling in when other women went on maternity leave. So I got to dip my toes into a lot of different areas. And then I got married and moved out to a more rural part of Virginia. And so I stayed on as a consultant, but worked full-time as a development director at a free clinic. So again, kind of great, yeah. <laughs> something very different and eventually returned to the police association full-time. But this time, instead of working more on the programmatic side, I was working more on the association. So more of the business side of things. Um, and, you know, all along the way, from the time I was in high school, I was kind of the overachiever. I was valedictorian. I collected all the gold stars. I got promoted a lot, which I'm so, again, really fortunate for the opportunities I had, particularly at the association. And then I was given a new role at work that just changed everything. I It was outside anything I'd done before. It was really different than any of the programs the organization already had. So there was no blueprint and it was hard in a way that I had not felt before. And so I just assumed that meant I was failing. <laughs> I cried a lot. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, in during that time, that's when I found coaching. And so, you know, you said, you know, what inspired me to start my business? It really was that point in my career that I, I was like, something's wrong. I mean, I was looking for jobs with like huge demotions huge pay cuts. Cause I was like, you know, something's wrong with me. And that's again, when I found coaching. And so I realized now that it was just a new experience and nothing was actually wrong with me. It didn't mean that I couldn't be successful in that position or others. And so I really want to help other people navigate those time periods and those shifts so that they can see that, you know, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Yep. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. I love hearing people's different trajectories of what 
they with stepping stones and kind of what paths lead them to to where they are. So talk to me a little bit more about what your current business model looks like. Who do you like to work with your ideal client and what you talk with them about? Yeah, absolutely. So I work with people in two ways. One is through my one-on-one coaching program. And the other is through a team program that I offer both going into organizations and just delivering it to that organization. And then I also deliver it, you know, in cities where people can register to come. And that's called more than a manager. Because again, not just in my experience, but also over the last few years, the changing kind of work environment has called on managers to be a lot more like mm-hmm. you hear about the sort of leadership versus management thing, but, but really, you know, communication, delegation, just navigating some of these challenges requires so much more of us. So my typical clients, you know, for the most part are women, though I do, you know, have some men, they've been fairly successful throughout their careers. Um, mm-hmm. And then they're starting to kind of bump up against a challenge and it may be personal or professional, but they think something has gone wrong and maybe they aren't cut out for that next step. So, you know, I do have a couple clients who are small business owners, again, those kind of aspiring or new managers who get, they've done really well. And now it feels like something is broken. And so again, work with them either one-on-one or they come through my team program and learn kind of those skills in a snapshot. Yeah, that's great. I I too love working with those people who are like just coming up against that challenge. Like they've been doing it and then they just feel stuck. And I love what you're saying that it's, it's not, you're not broken. (laughs) There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. You're just learning a new skill and it can be really hard and really scary to be in that position, but trusting yourself and working with a coach can be great tools to overcome those challenges. And I think it's especially hard for those of us that things came easy yeah. for so long, you know, like maybe we were really good in school and we got all the A's and, you know, we started at jobs and everyone loved us. And so now for the first time, it's like, okay, now it's hard. So this must mean that it, I can't do it, you know? And so just navigating that it's, it's hard because, you know, some of us are in our twenties or thirties or even forties when that happens. And it's like, this is totally new to me. <laughs> So again, it doesn't mean you're broken, but you do need new skills and kind of new support structures to help you with yeah. that. Yeah. This just dawned on me, but it do you often face or work with clients that are facing imposter syndrome? That oh, is- absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, that was a big thing. You know, when I talk about getting that role, you know, I was just sure people were going to mm-hmm. be like, oh my gosh, she's been so good. Like, what what did we do? Why did we let her have this role? And I was getting all this praise, like looking back. And even in the moment I was getting all this praise, but I was just like, oh my gosh, if they only knew, they only knew how hard this is. And I think again, that's where other people are facing, you know, again, it it all came easy. Mm -hmm. Now they have this thing. And so they're, they're just sure that it's, you know, they're an imposter. Maybe all of that was a fluke. And now, you know, here we are like, the rubber meets the road and I can't do it. So it is a lot of imposter syndrome and, and overcoming that. I think that's honestly the source of a lot of that angst. We can see that in so many different places. Not only if you're in the, if you're in a traditional work environment, if you're an entrepreneur, like I experienced that when I became a consultant, I was like, who am I to be telling these directors of development <laughs> what to do? Right. But I, same thing. I, it was easy for me. I enjoyed it. I was doing well. I was getting a lot of praise. Then all of a sudden I'm like, 
they're going to figure it out that I am a faker, that I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, and that's how we know that it's, it's a mind issue, like that it's our thoughts and all of that, because all the circumstances point to things are great. Yep. (laughs) And even if they're not, you see these people who are taking big risks and doing huge things and thinking nothing of it. So we know when we're feeling that way, again, we think we're broken, but it's really just learning how to manage our minds in a different way. Yeah. So when you're working with leaders and, and managers, especially people who are new to that role and they have people reporting to them, asking for their advice, asking for their help. How do you start coaching someone through some of that, that overwhelm or stress or pressure that they may be feeling in those moments? Sure. So one of the first things that I teach my clients is a coaching model that, that I was trained in and, you know, it really breaks down kind of what's happening, where your thoughts are, how those are different than your circumstances. Mm -hmm what role your emotions are playing in all of this. And I think being able to just step back and kind of hit a pause button and see what's happening can help. The other thing is um, I talk about kind of a math versus drama problem. Okay. And so, so often we have these like drama problems, like my team's not listening to me. They don't, you know, we, we get all these stories and as humans, that's how we understand life is through Mm -hmm. these stories. And so there's nothing wrong with that, but it's dialing it back and becoming, you know, making it a math problem. Like, okay, what is the actual issue here? Because that I can solve for. And so it's walking away from the drama or at least setting it aside temporarily and, and really being that manager of yourself, of your team, of your projects and figuring out what solution do I need here and how can I start iterating towards that? So it's really about kind of slowing things down, maybe not even in the moment, but in our brain, slowing it down to see what's really going on. I love that. And you're absolutely right about the stories that we tell ourselves. And especially when you're working with other people, Mm -hmm. going to be drama, right? Inevitably things come up, misunderstandings happen. And so I think that's so important to remind people to just take a breath, separate it out. What's actually going on. That's so, so good. And so important because things go fast. So we have to really be intentional. Absolutely. You talk a lot about building trust as well. So I know you, you like to talk about building trust in themselves and in their team, how you talk with your clients about trust. Sure. I think one of the places, you know, trust comes up in a lot of things, you know, whether it's communication, whether it's believing, you know, back to your abilities and capacity Mm -hmm. to do things, it's trusting that you can figure things out. But one of the places where I find trust comes up the most, and we don't necessarily see it is delegation. So as we move up, or as we build our businesses, or, you know, whatever role you're in, you've got to start delegating because that's where you're kind of exponentially going to be increasing your capacity, increasing your results. And delegating is not the same as abdicating. Like you're not just like, (laughs) here are the things, go do them. And so to be really good at delegating, I think there's three parts of trust. And one is trusting that you understand and can articulate the task. And so Brene Brown, who I love Mm -hmm. talks about painting done, like what does done look like? And so if you can trust and, and build that trust in yourself, that you can understand this and articulate it to someone else, that's huge. Because again, sometimes that's the first breakdown. You tell someone, Hey, go do X. And you're really expecting X plus Y plus Z. 
and they just hear the one piece, you haven't clearly articulated that. And again, make it a math problem. You can figure out how to, how to fix that. But so it's trusting that you understand and can articulate. There's also trusting that you can hold the person accountable. And I think this is really hard, especially for women, because we want to, to be liked. We've, we've been socialized in a lot of different ways. You know, some of us lead with a very servant heart and we think that that bumps up against accountability and it doesn't. So trusting that you have systems and processes in place that you've identified benchmarks and timeline for check-ins, it, it's getting, again, getting really clear, but trusting, so trusting you understand, trusting that you can hold the person accountable and then trusting that you can handle any outcome because let's be honest, there is risk in giving something to someone else to do. And again, if you've done those other two parts really well, you've allowed them to bring you obstacles or red flags and things like that. So you're really mitigating that risk. But even still, even if they did it perfectly, even if you did it perfectly, sometimes things don't go the way we imagined. So trusting that you can handle any outcome because you know, I say those other two pieces lend into the third, but honestly, if you can't, if you don't trust that you can handle any outcome, that's honestly a lot of times where I see people holding on to things. Yeah, It's better if I just do it myself. It's better if I just do it right now. So trusting those three pieces really allows you to delegate and expand. I was taking notes because it just got me thinking about so many different ways that, that this could show up and, and you can think about these different areas. So that first one is articulating what needs to happen. And Mm -hmm. in my mind, that comes with building, I mean, some some really practical, simple things, right? Like building SOPs or trainings for the work you have to do as, uh, and as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, I'm always thinking about like how I do something so that if I did need to hand it off, if I do ever get to delegate it, I can just show them a loom video or yep. walk through my step one, do this, step two, do that. And then doing that as I'm going versus like having to like then binge it, which is, which feels much more overwhelming, but knowing that that's going to be ready and having it in a couple of different formats because people learn differently as well. So that I was just, so do you talk about like systems and trainings? little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, and that is a piece of this. So the trust is really a mindset, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not where the, the meat happens. That's, you know, you've got to take the action. So if you're taking action from a place of lack of trust, that's going to look very different than if Mm -hmm. you're trusting, then you're going to say, yeah, you know what? This person can't read my mind. Yep. (laughs) Let me, like you just said, like, let me put my mind on paper or through a video or what have you. And then you're, you're building you're, it's it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you're trusting them. So you're giving them all these tools. They're feeling more, you know, empowered. Mm-hmm. They've got the tools and now the outcome is likely to be way better. Like your delegation goes so much better when you do those things. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm glad to hear that. And then for the, that accountability piece, what kind of came up in the forefront for me is, is difficult conversations right? Is, as having that establishing the benchmarks, but then what happens if someone doesn't mm-hmm. meet them and what, how does that conversation go? What correction needs to happen and making sure that it's not, uh, or it's the appropriate reflection on you, I guess, but yeah. you may be able to articulate better than, 
than I could. No, and I think, you know, one of the things that, and I think this comes up with the difficult conversations is back to the, the being liked, being Mm -hmm. nice, you know, well, they didn't know, you know, now I can see where maybe I didn't paint done clearly. And it's my fault. That doesn't mean you can't hold that person accountable. In fact, you owe it to them to, to do that. Like what then happens if they move to a new team and fall flat on their faces or they want to get promoted. Like that accountability is as much for you as it is for them, as it is for the project and for all of those pieces. So I think again, taking the drama out of it can help mm-hmm. instead of, you know, you did this wrong. You never pay, you know, you just don't have any attention to detail. You weren't cut out for this. No, here's the math problem. Here's where I see the misstep. And I'd like to talk through with you, you know, how that went. I listened to this woman. She's actually a parenting expert. Mm-hmm. Her name is, it's well, I don't know her last name, but her, it's Dr. Becky at Good Inside. And she talks about when your kids do something that you don't like, or that they, you know, they essentially lie to you. Yep. <laughs> you say, Hey, you said X, I'm seeing Y. Can you explain to me what happened? And I think that is really helpful because it's also, again, part of your job as a manager and leader is to build the capacity of your team. Mm-hmm. And so that, again, it's holding them accountable, but it's allowing them, not just giving them the benefit of the doubt, but for them to be like, oh, well, I thought you wanted X, not Y. Or, you know, actually I came up against this obstacle and I didn't know what to do and I didn't think I could ask. Or, yeah. you know, you know what? I missed it. I'm sorry. You know, whatever it may be, but it's building them too. So I think the thing with the difficult conversations is realizing what the end goal is. And the end goal is not to demoralize or to put down or any of that. It's to build that person. It's to build the project. And you want to be able to continue delegating. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have that conversation, you're likely not going to delegate to that person again. So it really is for everyone involved. Yeah. And it, it, I love you say about like empowering your, the person that was, was reporting to you, because if they didn't feel comfortable to ask a question, like you have to figure out why is that, mm-hmm. is that their own discomfort because they don't want to look like they don't know what they're doing? Or is it because you're putting off a vibe that if I, if you ask me questions, you're dumb or you're bad at your job or like, don't come to me, don't waste my time. So I think that that's a really important, you got to make sure we're looking at it at both lenses uh, and empowering the team to come to you with questions. And yeah, well, and that kind of goes to the trusting you can handle any outcome. A lot of times we look at that as what the outcome of the project or task was, but the outcome may be getting feedback you don't like. Yeah. And, and so what are you, again, what are you going to do about it? It doesn't mean that you're a bad manager. It means maybe you need to tweak something when dealing with that person or, you know, again, kind of making it math and deciding like, Hey, you know what? I can trust myself and I'm at a new level and I need to figure this out. So, you know, and then it loops you right back to number one, trusting that you can understand and articulate <laughs> it. Just, it never ends. <laughs> yeah. And, and for me, what I, what I was thinking about in that last piece is handling the outcome. It's that's where like that flexibility comes in too. And that like, okay, this didn't this didn't work out. How can I make the most of it? How can we readjust for next time? It's, it's really that growth mindset that continuing to learn and improve rather than having it be a total reflection, like rather having it mean something as a reflection of, of, on, on you. Um, it's just an opportunity to learn and grow. 
but that's hard. It's scary. All those things are, <laughs> it's a lot. And, but I do think as, as, again, coming from the entrepreneurial mindset, at some point you're going to reach a level in your business where you need to at least hire a VA or, yep. you know, you're going to need to start expanding. There's only so much that we can do. So I think this is just really important lessons to learn in this. I mean, again, I, I want to jump back a little bit to like removing the, the drama from it, because what if a manager or a leader is coming into a place where there is that kind of culture of drama in the workplace or that kind of back behind the back chatter and things like that? Do you have any recommendations of ways that they can start removing themselves from that drama or at least adjusting the culture of that? Yeah, I mean, I think Part of that is, again, that model I teach that separates the thoughts you have from the circumstances. So people saying things is a circumstance, you know, you, it happened, yeah. and, and you put it there, but what are you making it mean? And how do you want to feel about it? It doesn't mean jumping to like some sort of toxic positivity, but you know what? I, I want to remove myself from that, or, or I want to feel neutral about it, or I don't want to participate in that because sometimes we do get sucked in. very easily. The other thing is you talk about difficult conversations, difficult conversations don't always happen from you to the people who report to you. Sometimes those difficult conversations happen with you and the people you report to. And the same lessons, the same framework still apply and kind of getting down to the facts. Hey, you know, these kinds of discussions are taking place and the result is this you know, this is what I'm seeing and the kind of impact it's having. And, you know, I'd like to discuss some ways that maybe we can mitigate that or, you know, what have you, you know, every culture is different, but sometimes those discussions have to take place and it's not easy at all. Mm -hmm. So I think it's twofold kind of deciding who you want to be when that's happening around you and, and not making it mean anything about you and your leadership and your management, and also deciding if and when to have that difficult conversation. And again, it doesn't mean that anyone's bad or wrong yeah. or any of that, but like, here's the impact I'm seeing. And I don't think it's the impact you're, you know, you're wanting to have. Yeah. That's exactly what I was just thinking to that, that impact piece, right? Like what's the, like what needs to, to change so that you can see better outcomes mm-hmm. and better morale for, for the team. If there is an office where it's a little bit toxic or there's lots, a lot of drama around it. So I love that. All right, I do want to change gears a little bit because what I love talking about on this podcast is time management and productivity and getting some behind the scenes of all these amazing entrepreneurs doing their thing. So could you walk us through kind of a normal day or week in your life? Sure. So there isn't, there is some cadence to it, but I think this is a perfect segue from the delegation piece because there's one thing to delegate to others. There's also delegating to yourself. Yeah. And that has really changed the way I plan my weeks and my time. I'm in a very new season right now where my daughter just went to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm volunteering at her school some. And also my mother-in-law is needing more care and doesn't have internet at her house. So <laughs> deciding what tasks to do at that point, I I have to really be intentional in what I plan for those days because I I don't have access to internet, but there's plenty I can be doing kind of offline. So what I like to do is I'm starting to kind of hit a new stride in my planning and 
Fridays, it really starts on Fridays for me. So Fridays are my admin day, kind of tying up loose ends, evaluating the previous week and then planning for the week ahead. So the first thing I tend to do is put all my scheduled appointments. And for me, you know, like I said, it, it looks a little different week to week, but there's, there's coaching calls. I have meetings. I still do some consulting. So I have meetings. I have my volunteer time that is again, typically on Fridays. And then I also have kind of the content creation pieces that, you know, that, that actually comes a little later. So you've got the scheduled appointments. Then I look at my ongoing sort of running to-do list. I think this might be something you do too. Yep. (laughs) You know, I have like this long laundry list. And so I look at that after I have my appointments in my calendar and I schedule one to three priorities for each day from that laundry list. This kind of helps me not spend so much time spinning in what's next, which, you know, in previous seasons has been an issue for me. And it helps me again, now that I do have these days where I'm in a very different environment, I can delegate to my future self and be like, hey, as much as I want to do this thing right now, and I feel like I have to, this is actually a really good thing to do when I don't have the distraction of the internet or I don't need, you know, connectivity. So I plan that out for the week. And then if I finish my priorities for the day, I have that kind of long to-do list that there's always something else to pick from. And, you know, I'm definitely not perfect at this, but I notice a huge difference when I don't take the time on Fridays to do that, to kind of look back at the week. And I'm looking at it both from kind of that time perspective, but also like results, like did I meet kind of the benchmarks that I wanted for the week? Did I spend enough time you know, having, you know, creating content or meeting with other business owners and potential clients, like, okay, maybe I need to up that uh, Mm -hmm. or, or change that around somehow. So, you know, it really, it just, it looks a lot different, but I think the key pieces are that evaluation, the planning and the, the prioritizing. I used to try to plan like everything and that does not work for my brain. Like, you know, you talk about imposter syndrome, I would quickly go to like, well, there it is. I've messed up the day. (laughs) But having those key priority items help me work around like, you know, being a mom and Mm -hmm. doing like the mom stuff and, and caring, you know, helping with my mother-in-law and, and doing things around the house. And the other thing that I've been a little more intentional about is on Fridays, I spend some time with my girlfriends. We, We go for a walk or we catch up and, that again is not something I've made space for before. And it doesn't mean that a lot of things fall to the side. It just, because I've set those priorities and I've checked the box, I'm like, yep. You know, I I know that I I painted done for now. And so I know I can feel good about those days. And I think that's where we, we get on ourselves like, oh, I wasn't productive or this wasn't a successful week, but did you take the time to paint done and know what that, that success would look like. And I will say there was a lot of times I didn't yeah, <laughs> and even still sometimes that I don't. And that's, I catch myself now and be like, well, did I, did I set what done looked like today? <laughs> and a lot of times I didn't. And of course I didn't feel done. You know, I didn't delegate to myself appropriately. I didn't articulate. I didn't set clear expectations and accountability measures, you know, and I didn't get ready for any outcome. And so of course, yep, there I am feeling unsuccessful. So, so that is really, like I said, I feel like I'm finally starting to hit my stride and kind of those different buckets and and prioritizing for each day. Oh, that's so good. I was, I was taking so many notes because there's so many things I want to touch 
back on, but it's just so fun. I'm going to have to like put that paint down, like on a post-it note, because I'm also an Enneagram three. And one of our lovely traits is that the, like, there is no end. Like we, we just mm-hmm. keep moving the goalpost so that we can never feel successful. And so even something as simple as like thinking about what that looks like on a day-to-day basis, maybe, maybe really helpful. Even if, that's a good lesson for me to learn because you keep moving the goalposts, you're never going to yep. win. I too am a three. And you know, there are still times when I will look and be like, well, I checked my three boxes. Womp womp. Like it's not. And then I'm like, no, yeah. It, it's like reminding a toddler. No, like we're not going to run in the road. We're going to stay on the sidewalk. And I have to get my brain back on the sidewalk and be like, I did exactly what I said I was going to do. Yeah. And some of that comes with prioritizing and, you know, there is no right things, but yeah. like I'm picking, you know, I'm picking the things that I want to focus on and I'm doing them. So yes, it's again, always a process, but painting done can really help. I love that. I love that so much. And I just want to jump back to you're saying that you have these times in your week where you're without internet, right? So that delegating that kind of being really intentional about what you're doing when I love to talk about that, not only from the, the lens of maximizing when you're going to be at your best, but I travel quite a bit. And when I travel, especially off of the base I'm on right now, it is like a whole day affair and I may or may not have internet. And it's like, it's just like a whole thing. I'm not going to have my good setup. So I'm really intentional about what I give myself to do that time. And sometimes it is rest. Sometimes it's just, no, I'm going to finish my book because that's what I can do on an airplane. But sometimes it's like, no, actually I can download these Google docs to work offline so I can finish fleshing out a new course that I want to create or brainstorm podcast episodes, right? Like there's all kinds of ways that I can use that time. It doesn't have the distraction of the internet. And so I think being really intentional, being really proactive about how to use that kind of time. I love to talk about that, like maximizing the small moments or the longer moments when you're not going to have potentially everything you need. And that's really easy for you to just like make it a wash. I call it like, "Eh, I can get nothing done today. I might as well just do nothing. And again, do nothing if if that's what feels good. But if you're trying to make sure that that's productive, it's really important to delegate ahead to yourself and, and think about it intentionally. Yeah, absolutely. And I also love what you said about like the, the kind of planning and the flexibility. Fridays are a great time to kind of think ahead and, and plan that all out. And that balance of being like what you're going to get done today, but not necessarily so strict about when it's going to happen. I think it's a really, really nice balance mm-hmm. for people to, to use, especially if they're newer to time blocking or can find that restrictive when they have children or when they have things that come up or we work on a client and sometimes you're in a meeting and all of a sudden you have a new list of things you got to get done that you weren't expecting that day. So being able to adapt for that can be really, is really good to think about. Yeah. I think, like you said, especially when you're new and I know you talk about kind of the different, not personality types, but kind of when your energy surges through the Mm -hmm. day. And I think that can change sometimes. And so having those like things, but not, I'm going to do this at 10 AM when your kid was up all night and you know what, I I need more caffeine and I'm more ready for that at one. Yep. 
now you're not having to readjust all the little blocks in your calendar or, or however you manage it. And I think back to kind of the imposter syndrome, you know, it's not a problem. Like it, it, as you're yeah. learning, it's like, you know, I know one of the big things about your podcast is like how many different ways people plan their time. You know, some people do need that structure of time blocking. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for me. So I, you know, and I tried it and thought that there was something wrong because I was, you know, I wasn't getting done what I wanted in the day. And it just, it felt so gritty in a bad way. And, you know, this works so much, this flows so much better for me. So figuring yep. that out and kind of using it almost like a, you know, school science fair project where you have the hypothesis yes. and you go with it. And then you, you test it, you evaluate it and, oh, that worked or that didn't. And that doesn't make it wrong. It just means you need a new hypothesis. Yeah. A hundred percent. I am all about experimenting with what works for you and giving yourself the grace. Like, for example, I'm looking at the time block schedule that I created for the week. It is Wednesday. Not a single thing has gone according to plan. So we're just making it work. Right. And and that's what I love to, to teach that. Like, I know how to adjust now, and I'm not going to let the fact that my time block schedule when a little bit off track, derail me for the rest of the week because I know how to adjust. And so whenever I'm working with a client, it's like, okay, let's figure out what works for you. And then how do, how do we adjust when it doesn't go exactly according to plan? So it's all about that balance, all about that experimentation, about that trust and that grace that you're going to handle the outcome. You're going to be able to handle the outcome. Yep. I think the other thing, and I didn't touch, but I do want to say this because you mentioned like having meetings with people and stuff coming up. I think the other trust piece is trusting that like, you know, when to put things in Mm -hmm. your schedule. So like so often I know I will think like, okay, I need to get this done right now. They need it from me right now. Or this client needs responded to right away. Is that really true? Mm -hmm. Or can this go onto tomorrow's list? You know, I think, I think trusting that everyone's going to be okay in that (laughs) and asking the right questions, you know, to know, because sometimes things do need to get done right now. But I think that's a component of it too. It's like that people pleasing aspect, right? So we want to say to our client or our boss, I'll get that to you by the end of day today. Like, don't say that if you can't do it, like if it, or if it's going to cause undue stress or not be your best work, ask the question, when do you need this by, or just even if you have the authority to, or the the power in that, in your role to say, I'll get this to you by the end of the week, Mm -hmm. or I'll get this to you early next week, like own your time as much as you possibly can to kind of level set and give yourself the space you need to do your best work. But it is, it's such a bad habit. And it's such a, it's such a, I had to break it and I'm still breaking it to be able to say, yep. I'll get this to you by the end of the day, because then I just end up apologizing. And, yep. I, and the reality is that I'm like, I don't need to apologize if I had given myself that space and the client wouldn't have known the difference. Right. But I, I think that's just, that's such an important thing to be thinking about. If you find yourself constantly feeling rushed, it may be because you're not giving yourself the space you need to get stuff done. But all right. I would love to ask you a few Rapid fire questions as we wrap up. These are always a lot of fun and ended up sparking a lot more conversation. Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning. Okay. Like ready, like hit the ground running? Not hit the ground running. Like, you know, I usually get up about 6.15. And so usually like that 7, 7.30 to like 11.30 noon. Like that is like my power time. Love it. I love it. Paper and pen or all digital? Paper and pen. 
with a little digital for appointments. Okay. That works. I love that. And what's your favorite way to relax? So two things, I think one is I live in a beautiful part of the country. I'm in Virginia in the mountains. And so being outside, whether it's kayaking, taking walks with friends, even just sitting and looking at the beautiful mountains is super relaxing and also reading. I'm a big reader, leadership, professional development, and also historical fiction. Ooh, oh, that's, I, that was my favorite genre for so long. Love a good historical fiction. Oh, that's great. And I know you do live in a beautiful area, so it's, that's nice that you can take advantage of it. Oh, this has been wonderful. Where can people find you to learn more about you and, and work with you in the future? Sure. So the best place is my website, beckystickleycoaching.com. You'll find more about my one-on-one coaching and also my team program, More Than a Manager, where we talk about a lot of the things we've talked about, delegating. I teach a framework for difficult conversations. So definitely check that out. And then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at beckystickleycoaching. Wonderful. It'll all be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here today. It was wonderful to chat with you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea and Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.